of silence for Caleb's lost buffalo Aww. and dice. Oh, yeah. Let me fill everybody in. I lost all my D&D shit, so I'm flying blind because... I'll be honest with you, I was really, really drunk in Nashville and left my backpack at the venue. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to get mailed back. But you know what I could do is jump on tabletoploot.com and use our offer quote code to buy myself some new fucking dice because I'm a drunken idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Caleb. If you go over to tabletoploot and enter the code HITDICEPOD at checkout, you'll get a very generous 15% off. I'm going to roll my own dice so that you can experience what that's like. Vicariously through me. 19. Feels good. Like the scroll clasp that we still don't know. Yeah. Now I I, I've been looking it up regularly. Yeah. The only thing I can think is like the scroll clasp. I'm surprised no one on Twitter has been like, hey, you morons, it's called this, because we brought it up like three times at this point. <laughs> and we're all like, holder. yeah, the napkin holder. I'm going to keep calling it the napkin holder. I think you're just enjoying our flavor. Oh. Speaking of Twitter, you guys can find us on any social media outlet worth mentioning, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, with the handle HitDicePod, all one word. And uh, I am just pretty excited to get into episode 15 with you guys, see what happens after you finally wrangle this nightmare. Does, uh, does anyone want to do the recap? Is anyone feeling particularly inspired to do it? I was okay. drinking canned wine. I would not do a good recap. We tamed a nightmare. And fought a couple guys. And fed a it a horse. We fed it, we bought, yeah, we <laughs> fed it a horse. Callista rode it, and then she was, like, nice to her party members, and therefore got bucked off of it, because you can't have a, friends when you run a nightmare. This is a chain beard. <laughs> you poisoned by a nasty yeah, chain beard. Yeah, yeah well, so well, gross. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I slit a horse's throat. It yeah. was metal. Let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, God, are you still coated in blood from head yeah, to toe with your totally. blood? Yeah, it's like super sticky and gross, like Halloween makeup that's oh, yeah. been on too long. It really smells yeah. bad, too. Yeah. Mm. So flashback to just a little bit before that. Uh, <laughs> you guys... You guys the only part we care about. <laughs> you guys are uh, currently in the elemental plane of fire. You have been given a task by the Sultan's Vizier, and the reason that you're in the elemental plane of fire is because of, I guess we'll call it a, a lead you all are chasing down. And the Council of Lords back in Raven's Bluff on the Material Plane tasked you all with finding another elemental gem like the one that Yenitazasis had. And they told you that the closest thing that they could think of and the only rumor that they knew of to follow to find one of those at the time was that supposedly there was a dragon's heart still burning deep in a mountain behind Dragon's Falls or something. <laughs> a, wa a waterfall up near the Fire River. But you guys got in there after you made your way through it. You did find a little gleaming, strange light and you all touched it. And the next thing you knew, you were in the elemental plane of fire. For saving your lives, the Sultan's Vizier has tasked you with taming a nightmare for the Sultan, which somehow you guys managed to do quite easily. And then two devils came out. They threatened you and they were trying to take the nightmare from you to pay off one of their friend's debt. You guys killed them. <laughs> we said, no, nah, yeah. just... <laughs> you guys killed them and you're currently... Uh, Buffalo took a pretty heavy beating, actually. Mm -hmm. And a uh, guy was able to just barely bring him back from the brink of death with a healing word, I believe. And you all are making your way back to town right now. That's pretty. I like that. That's our, galloping, that's our galloping towards town music. So, Callista's on the nightmare. Oh, uh, yeah, Patches, Patches is on the nightmare. No, I've, I would run it for a second, and then I got off and let Callista back off. That's right. He's a thief on a demon horse. <laughs> <laughs> and are you riding Buffalo, or are you just, like, giving him a little break, a Rooney, because he almost died? Yeah, I'll walk with it. Okay. 
So you guys are in this elemental plane of fire. There's ash just raining all around you. There's smoke filling the air. It's all rising from the ground. The ground itself actually seems to be alive as it's bubbling and moving in these strange disks that you guys are walking on made of obsidian, of cooling magma. You're able to put your feet on it, though you're not able to stay on it long. And you learn this in the fight with those devils that if you stay on a piece for too long, it will eventually start to sink and tilt and it's hard to stay on top of it. But you guys killed these devils and you're making your way back to town. There's an eternal sunset in this place because everything here is made of fire. The sky, the land, the air, everything. And so the sky is always this bright golden orange and it always looks like the sun is setting on every horizon no matter where you look. And something really strange in the dead center of the sky, there's a bright red sun burning and you can actually see the flames licking off of the sides of it, almost like it's closer to the plane than the sun would be on the material plane. All of the clouds in the sky seem to be made of the smoke, but the wind seems to be going in one direction. It's all pushing away from the city of brass where you all came from and are now walking back toward. And since as long as that's blowing away from you, you're kind of getting a just a better view of this place as a whole. You're able to see the sun, you're able to see the sky, and far off in the distance, though you guys are still about an hour out, you can see the city of brass easily. It's a 40 mile in diameter bowl, quite literally, made of brass, and these spires, they just rise from it, and all of the city is sectioned off. It's 40 miles across, it's huge. Is there anything that you guys would like to do before... Yeah, I want to see, um, I want to look closer at where that dragon was flying around and see mm -hmm. if I can see it or see anything in particular. Okay, roll perception. Nine? With a nine, you can still see, though you guys are on, I wouldn't call it solid ground, but you're on ground that you can stand on long enough to not be in lava. <laughs> Down. We're, in, we're in a Mario level. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you guys, you look around specifically Adelaide, and you do see these strange little black ships, and they all have those. You guys have seen a few of them in town, mostly a single salamander on them, and it's 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 almost like they're parasailing across this lava. But it seems to be the main mode of transportation. Every that once in a while, you will see. Yeah, every once in a while, you'll see a much bigger ship that is. Everything here just seems to be black. Like whatever materials can stay on top of this lava and fire, they all seem to be black. Whether they're Hard, or it's actually a black material. They're all just pre-burnt. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but you're able to see these. You don't see a uh, red dragon flying around in the sky, though. You do see some strange creatures up there, but from how far away they are, you're not sure what they are. But the fact that you could just see some wings flapping lets you know that there's probably not a dragon's body underneath it. I'd like to sing a little encouraging thing to Buffalo since he almost died. It's his favorite song, and it goes like... My little baby listen to jerk band music with a mess of mama's barbecue. Yeah, Buffalo likes it. His his spirits are lifted. He loves that shit. Calista heard a song starting and thought, ooh, I should record this, and then she changed her mind. <laughs> you, start, you started writing it down, and then when you realized what was happening, you just dropped it on the lava. <laughs> and as soon as we got to Jug Band, I was done. Yeah. <laughs> Do I still have dis or dis or yeah, you're still poisoned until okay. a long rest. You all are able to get back to this place, and in the, on the material plane, a lot of the times you do have to be on the lookout, especially when you're out in the wilderness, but on the elemental plane of fire, it seems like unless a city is designated, there's not really a lot living out here. It's a pretty desolate area, and even if something could survive out here, if the fire didn't harm it, there's not really anything to eat besides like maybe you guys. Mm. But with a nightmare underneath you, it's safe to say nothing is really gonna bother you. This horse is just towering, like 15 feet off the ground. Callista is on top of its back. 
back. Its mane is just still like pushing this fire out. Its hooves, every time they step, there's just like a small explosion underneath them as it's just trotting along. I'm enjoying it so much. I just want to gallop the whole time. So I'm just riding circles. Right? Yeah, you do that little weird sideways walk that people do with the horse. Dressage. Right. What's it called? Dressage. Yeah. yeah. You dressage the nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it very well trained. Yeah. So you all are walking for another hour and those potions of fire resistance are just starting to fade away. And before they even fade away, the heat out here is so incredible that though it isn't killing you, it still feels like it's killing you. It's hard to breathe. It burns your skin. It just feels like a really bad sunburn that won't quit hurting the whole time you're out here, basically. And as you're getting back to the city, you guys actually cut it really close to <sighs> your potions wearing off. But you do get to it and you get around that side and that brass is just rising far above you and all of the light just is bouncing off of this and back into your eyes. And it's this really beautiful sight amidst this weird eternal sunset that seems to be all over this plain. You come up to the side of the city because some of it actually sits on the lava while some of it sits on this weird giant disk of obsidian that's just cracked and crumbling that it literally floats on top of the sea of lava on. But as you get up to the side of it, there are boat docks that come off of this, and you come back through that same gate that you were to enter. And as you do come up to it, this uh, guard, one of those white Efridi guards, opens this really ornate door just... It, the entire side of this bowl doesn't open, but a huge piece of it does. And as it opens, this really brilliant, bright white light shines out, and you notice that there is an entire guard of Afridi standing there. And as they open the door, you all are quickly ushered inside. And while you're ushered inside, this guard of Afridi, they do stand in front of you. They're blocking off the entire street. And this is a really wide street, much like the one in Raven's Bluff, where you would take goods through. So you, you can assume that it's to bring in bigger things from the outside. But as these Afridi guards are all standing here, these enormous gates just like shut behind you guys on your backs. You're still atop of this nightmare. And as you are, the Sultan's vizier does step out from these guards. He wears these really big, like, genie from Aladdin pants and on the back of them, he wears his cape. He doesn't wear it around his shoulders, but it's this smoky, wispy, thin cloth and it drags behind him whenever he walks. He has little pointed shoes that have gold on the tips of them. His head is adorned with horns instead of hair, but they all go back into a point, almost like one enormous horn, though there's actually like 12 or 13 of them. His face is really stark, his skin is bright red, and he wears these strange, intricate golds on his top. He has these really big shoulder pads that sit on his shoulders. They're incredibly ornate. He says, Congratulations on your return. We are not dead. The Sultan we, uh, we did the thing. We did it. I just jump down and take the reins and go and kneel and hand them up to him. He, he reaches behind him and snaps his finger. And as he does, this little flame shoots up from it and they spark and four guards break the formation and they come up and they get the nightmare. He turns to them and says, I trust you all know where to take it. One of them just says, Yes, Sultan's Vizier, of course. And with that, they all bow and they walk away with this enormous nightmare just clip clopping down the street and away from you guys. The Sultan is pleased with how you all served him. And I am surprised with how you served me. I would like to extend an invitation to all of you to join us at the race. You got thank it. You. Yeah, thank you. Delightful. How long does a race take? Probably not long. The Sultan's Vizier, sorry. 
<laughs> uh, he does seem like he's starting to say something, and then you say that, and he puts his hand back down. <laughs> I wouldn't concern myself as much with how long the race takes as the fact that the Sultan himself invited you all. Is there air conditioning? <laughs> <laughs> it's important you understand that an invitation from Basham Gorda is not as formal as you would like to think. It's more of a threat. So I'll expect to see you all. It's not optional, in other words. Okay, when is it? Only a few hours from now. We'll start in uh, 10 hours or so, enough time to get back over to the Charcoal Palace for you all, I'm sure. Uh, looks like maybe you all could... Uh, and he looks around at all your charred clothes, and you guys are all kind of ripped up a little bit, and Arwell's like sick. <laughs> yeah. I would like a bath. Covered yeah. in blood. <laughs> yeah, covered in blood. <laughs> Though Buffalo was bought, brought back from the brink of death, there's still dried blood just all underneath Buffalo, where that devil just raked his claws into Ugh. Buffalo's sternum. Anybody got a hose? <laughs> the Sultan's is here. <laughs> I don't know what a hose is, but I assure you if it is real, we could probably accommodate you. And to answer your question, accommodations have been made to ensure your comfort during the races. There is one more thing before I go. Every proper racing nightmare has a name, and its captors get the fortune of naming it. See, Biscuit. Oh boy, <laughs> we suck at naming things. <laughs> Secretariat. <laughs> Toby McGuire. <laughs> Justify. <laughs> Toblerone is Dan. <laughs> if, if you all could come to a conclusion, I would appreciate it very much. <laughs> Just Tourette's. <laughs> uh, he's obviously irritated with all of you. Just like, he's just sitting here kind of taking it. As yeah. How did these people tame it? What are we gonna Vizier, did you have a proper given name before you took on your high station? And would it be an honor or an insult to name this majestic beast in your honor? Considering I have already given you my name, it would be an insult. <laughs> that was good. So serious all the time. Sorry, we've been through some shit, Sultan's Vizier. Najila. Najila. Uh, I would appreciate it if you did not name a beast after me. Well, Melania. God damn. <laughs> Melania Trump, the nightmare. <laughs> you guys are uh, familiar with the Kentucky Derby name, so normally it's like one, two, three. They have a first, middle, and last name. Lucius Aloysius Bieber. I uh, love that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Lucius Aloysius Bieber. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> the announcers can just call it Biebs. Yeah. <laughs> and so it shall be. In short, I'm a believer. <laughs> so tell me. I'm a believer in Lucius. Sons of Azir, is there betting at these races? Uh, a man of culture, you show your esteem in social circles yet again. Of course there is betting. I was just about to bring it up. I would bring some spare gold if I were you all. The Sultan Basham Gorda himself is a heavy better. would see it as a disgrace if you didn't bet on at least one of the horses, if not your own, at the race. I spent all my gold on a horse that we murdered. <laughs> Did I sell my I'll give you some gold. Anybody, anyone who can see him out of the corner of their eye, you can see him like developing a tick over you guys. His, 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 his mouth is like starting to twitch as you guys all like talk to him and, and you can see him like catching his tongue. <laughs> I spent all my gold on a horse that we murdered. <laughs> 
<laughs> Perhaps your ever entertaining friends can be of some assistance to you then. I will be taking my leave. I'll see you in 10 hours. Perfect. Thank you very much, the Sultan Vizier. 10 ah. hours? Yes. Oh, we can rest. That's quite That's a few. Nice. Okay. Well, the races are eight hours from here, so. Oh. Oh. They're at the Charcoal Palace, where I will uh, await all of you, and there will be. There will be a guard uh, awaiting your arrival. They will escort you to your mm, semi-private viewing box. And when you are done, you will be granted a special audience. We will see you when you get there. I will take my leave now. And with that, he turns. Where the guards are circled around him on the other side, they switch that position to where they're in between you and him. And he begins to walk away. And as he walks away, there's this black obsidian box that he gets up into. And it, uh, as he is getting up here, you realize that it is actually being pulled by a nightmare. And he gets up and into it, and all of these guards are around it. A few of them get up on the sides, and they're holding onto it like a dump truck driver would hold onto the side of the truck. And they, uh, they're just holding onto it. Their spears are at the ready. Some of them have tridents. Some of them have scimitars. All of them are glowing like they just came out of a forge as they take off down the street. You can see this white light shrouding around this entire thing. But he does get into it, and he takes off. And you guys are left out on this street. And just so you all know, you are not in like a dead part of town. This town is thriving, it is busy. And you all have definitely captured the attention of the people around you. You just walked into town with a nightmare and the Sultan's Vizier gave you a pseudo-private audience. So there are definitely eyes. Yeah, there are definitely eyes all looking at you. Um, didn't we, didn't you get a buffalo cart? Did it burn up? I think it's still, I think it's still got it. We didn't take it with us. We left I think it inside the, the city. Oh, no, you did leave it at the stable. We talked about yeah, this. Yeah. You left it at the stable. So you guys are really not very far from the salamander's eye. We could ride out ride out in that thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to go pick up so the little cart and pick head up back the to, the to the charcoal palace. See okay. if you can't okay. sleep in the back of the cart. Um, yeah, well, I also, along the way, though, I want to see if there is a potion shop of some sort. Okay. I will love to shop. Well, I want to see if there's a... He didn't spend all of his money on a horse. I guess I could just leave. (laughs) This is a thriving city. You guys are in the middle of a bustling street. As you all are talking about the next steps you're going to take, everyone slowly loses interest in all of you, it would seem. And then you go back to their business. The merchants are calling out. A few of them are calling out to you all. There is one merchant that is particularly close to you. And this merchant calls out to you and says, uh, I've got magic candles. I've got magic chandeliers. It seems you all are from the material plane. Perhaps you'd be interested. Chandeliers? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, our candles did melt out of our packs. What the fuck am I going to do with a chandelier? <laughs> Learn to wield it. Actually. I feel like I got a house You could be dropped down. I mean, I could repel from a magical chandelier. Install it. And then <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I'm not gonna stop and see this chandelier, dude. You guys all just walk past him. Show, show me this chandelier. Show me this chandelier. <laughs> I don't want to visit. I'm, this I'm interested in a chandelier. Callista <laughs> 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 and Patches are much the same. And would like to know. When people tell us we have to go be somewhere at a certain time, we're like, let's go get tattoos. Let's look at chandeliers. <laughs> so you guys walk over, and it's not a building. Sorry, it's actually a wagon. There's a female dwarf standing here, and as she does, uh, she she looks. Where a lot of dwarven women, they do go very far out of their way to seem gruff and strong. She actually is very fair, which is really strange to see in a dwarf. But it's also maybe a little bit of a relief for you guys to see someone who's not in a 3D here. Like, you guys don't have to worry about weird customs or looking her in the eyes. She just seems to be another merchant who's on the street here in the middle of this bustling metropolis. Bustling metropolis. She just uh, shouts out and says, Ah, I see that you both love fine wares. What can I interest you in? I have all kinds of chandeliers to hang from 
your homes, if you like. Uh, or perhaps you have a dungeon that you're filling with monsters to hide something. These are always a nice touch. I'm actually a dancer in an inn. I don't sell poles. I have one already, thanks. I am curious because I have never heard of a magic chandelier before. Um, what are oh, their uses? These chandeliers aren't magical. Oh. They're just They're fucking literally chandeliers. Just chandeliers. Yeah. What okay. are the magical candles? Oh, the candles aren't magical. They just go on the chandeliers. You okay. definitely <laughs> use the word Give magic. Me a fucking <laughs> right, I do have magical items if you all are interested. What? Uh, what do you have? You specifically uh, said candles. The candles are, smell magical. If, you, if I can interest you in a few of those. Yeah, yeah it smells like a wizard fart. <laughs> Uh, let's see, let's see. And she, she, she goes to a chest behind her and she gets a big ornate key from her pocket. It looks really strange. Instead of just one uh, prong, I don't know. <laughs> Instead of just one napkin holder, it has multiples sticking off the sides. And she puts it into this really strange lock and it seems like she turns it multiple, multiple ways. And you can hear these gears clinking into place as they seem to be locking and moving and these gears are turning in this chest. And with one final like click, the lid just pops open and she opens it up. And she's looking in and she's like, oh, oh. And she pulls out a few potions in her arms and she's just clumsily holding all of them. She's like, I, I, have, a, I have a scroll of lightning bolt. I have a, a scroll of black tentacles. Um, if you're into that kind of thing. I, I, have a, I have this. And she, she, pulls, she pulls out this weird obsidian crystalline rod that is about three feet long. On each end it has a horse, the top half of a horse, um, coming out of each side. And they're, they're sort of what? facing each individual direction. She's like, much. and I have this immovable rod. How much? <gasps> 10,000 gold pieces, and I'll throw in three candles. Fuck. Can't afford You guys were just talking to the Sultan's Vizier. Surely you can afford this. Um, Maybe no. after the race. You may not have seen Does but the we're Sultan's not from Vizier this have a tab? Like, can we put it on his tab? <laughs> oh, without his word? I would never. No. I would never. We were just talking to him like we're homies. Roll for deception. <laughs> uh, 18. Well, I guess you were just talking to him in the street. How about this? I'll contact, I'll contact his people, and you tell me where to deliver this thing. Because I don't have a running tab for him at my portable store. Why deliver it when we could just take it now? It costs money and I don't have it. If you could bring me a note written by them and sign, signed or sealed or just some sort of proof, okay. I could certainly do it. Did he give us... Something at some point. Oh wait, no, no. I need my. They gave us the list of rules. But I don't know if you wrote them. So. Are you able to forge documents? I sleight yeah. of hand is my shit. <laughs> you don't have a forgery kit though. Oh. This is when press digitation kit really comes in handy. Maybe just do memory We're not meant to have it right now. Oh, yeah. Look, uh, you come back to me with ten thousand gold. I'll throw in three magically scented candles. Can I ask you what the black tentacles scroll does? Uh, it casts black tentacles. That's a spell? Holy... It turns the entire ground into some sort of monster, and the tentacles will grasp and attempt to kill anything that's on top of it. I mean, that's so kind of my alley. jam. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you want for the black tentacles, girl? I think 400 gold pieces would do it. Wow, I mean, I have a lot of money, and I'm not going to spend it on something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't have a lot of money. Can I ask you how you like living here? I don't live here. Oh, where do you live? How do, like, are you from another plane, I mean? Oh, I, I'm, I'm from the material plane, like I imagine you well, all how are. how do you get back to the material plane? I'm, I'm from Waterdeep, so we have uh, many merchants that trade all over the multiverse. Uh, we'd have a portal to get back and forth from here. Can anyone use the portal? 
Mm, anyone who can pay the fare. Yeah. How much is the fare? Who's asking? You I all? am. Just the just the five of you? Us. Yeah. And the and the beast? She points yeah. to Buffalo and Buffalo's yeah. like, oh God. Oh, oh kid, don't shake me. <laughs> <laughs> Eight hundred gold pieces ought to do it. Okay. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think you're fucking price gouging. I'm rolling inside. This place is really nice. expensive. Um, Not a one. <laughs> 16. You guys left the city and you saw her here and she did not call out to you all. She saw you at the Sultan's Vizier and she is now calling out to you all. So okay. you can assume she knows, she saw you with the company of the Sultan's Vizier and she's like, hey, come over here and spend some money. You are price gouging and we're not gonna take any of your shit and we're not buying any of your shit and we're not giving you any fucking money at And we'll all. tell the Sultan Vizier about this. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> also, thank you for telling us about the portals. <laughs> Wait, where do we find the portals, though? Oh, if you pay me some gold, I'll show you. We saw them all over oh, town. Oh, we came in. We this is ridiculous. It's fine. Fine, fine. <laughs> ah. Maybe, maybe a tip for the information? Sure. Sure. Just I'm trying to make a living here, guys. Yeah, we're sure. just trying to stay alive. And we're just trying to live, yeah. I'll give me you, too? I'll give you one gold piece for yeah, the Yeah, but you can get back home. <laughs> If I make enough money here. Yeah, one gold's a nice tip. She's like, fine, and she takes it. That's a ridiculous tip. We need to know this, though. Any merchant that isn't from this plane of existence has to have a way in and out of here, and they are salesmen and tradesmen by profession, so I'm assuming that if you have something that they're interested in, they'll take you where you want to go. But everyone's portal can't just go anywhere. Most of the time, they're linked directly. Uh, those big plates you saw, when you guys first came into the city, you saw these little red lights all over the city, much like the one you touched before you came in, with giant brass plates underneath them, and people are flashing in and out of those. Those brass plates, however, they cost a little bit more, but they'll take you wherever you want to go. Thank you for the information. There's, here's your gold piece. Calista is grumpy and over this bullshit. Are there, are there any other magical items <laughs> on, just like, around, or is it just candles and chandeliers? She basically has, like, a table, like a farmer's market-style table set up with a canopy over top of it. She has a wagon behind her that has two horses on the front of it. And on her table, she just has all of these strange candles, a few trinkets, and, uh, like, the chandeliers are actually hanging from the canopy she has, and they're all swinging behind her. There's, like, a black one, there's one that looks golden, one that looks brass, one that looks silver. I'm not interested in the chandeliers. I'm interested in specifically something that I could take from her. <laughs> okay. Right now. Yeah. There is a skull that is the size of a coin, it looks like. There is a pyramid of black incense that stacks up, but each of those squares is actually a piece of incense that you could burn. There's a really bright green feather, and there's a there's a crystal doorknob. Like <laughs> it's got like a brass plate and the doorknobs look like there's some kind of crystal. I wanna to, I wanna to casually take the skull. Like as we're like she's putting her thing back her immovable rod back in the the chest mm -hmm. and as she's doing that I'm just going to kind of just like swipe it. Okay. How to, how to play through hand. how to play through your kleptomania in a safe and productive way. <laughs> 17. You guys all start to walk away and maybe somebody's like, thanks anyway, or something. And Patches, as you walk by, it's it's really not even the lift of an arm, it's the flick of a wrist, and that coin is gone in, in your palm, and you wait till you're a safe distance away to put it into your the pouch. Skull? Fuck yeah. It is a, and as you get the skull, you it's actually it's made of silver, so it's worth about one silver piece. But you have this tiny skull, and it's it is it's three-dimensional. It's not flat like a coin, it's the size of a coin, but it's three-dimensional, so like a quarter-sized silver skull. Uh, and she's like, all right, well, take it easy. If you find the money, make sure to bring it back and buy this. I've heard these things can be pretty useful. All right, so we're heading back. I want to see 
any place that looks magical because I want to find someone who can use magic. How much time do we have left? How much time did that take? (laughs) Like 10 minutes? Yeah, it's less than that. It took like no time. (sighs) Yeah, as you're walking, you see something called Enu's Catacitorium, and it seems like it's some sort of wand shop. Cool. Um, I'm gonna go in. Yeah, you walk in, and this shop is a two-story building, actually. Um, It's hewn from some sort of weird rock, and it looks like the roof is made out of granite, and it looks like a pretty standard roof, like where a lot of these buildings are really strange, and it seems like they're all spired to look almost evil or just unnaturally natural. This one looks kind of like a house you guys would be very used to. It has, I guess what you would call street art on the side of it. One side of it has a wizard who is in like this traditional wizard's garb, and then the other side of it has a more natural wizard, like a druid or something. Both of them have wands pointed at one another, and much like Banksy graffiti, this magic is coming out of these wands and meeting at this door, and you're able to open this door and walk in. The shopkeeper is a short Efridi, and he looks looks over to you all, and his whole face is ablaze, almost like he has just this unruly hair all over him. His eyes look very normal, much like you all's, and he is dressed in layers of fine clothing, though they don't seem to be burning on his skin, even though they're made out of cloth. He is barefooted, though. He walks up, uh, and he's like, welcome, welcome. Uh, Looks like you all have seen better days. Uh, What can I help you with? Actually, and I big flourish, and I, you know, bid him a good day. Big flourish Um, covered in blood. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Actually, um, I would love to look around your store, but I have a quick question. Uh, Do you know Preston Digitate by chance. <laughs> uh, but of course, and even if I didn't, I'm sure I sell something in here that I can help you with. Well, would you mind just for a gold to clean me up, please? Make it two gold. We'll call it even. Sure. Sure. That is so, a big prestidigitation job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are just a gnome, but still. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and, uh, and if you don't mind, friend, Let's do it out in the street. That's fine. So he he takes you out to the street and he does rummage through. Oh, actually, it's like a, it's more like a case, like a jewelry store, and you can see all these wands finely laid out. They just look like they're made out of like simple wood, but then you see others and they have these intricate designs, not even just carved into them, but the wands themselves. One of them looks like a spider's leg, and another one looks like an actual lightning bolt. Another one looks like a flute, strangely enough, though it doesn't look like it's actually playable. He unlocks this really strange mechanism and he swings this big metal arm on the top of it around, and he slides this big piece of glass over and he picks up one of the more simple wands. And he pushes that thing back closed and he swings that arm over and he gets that key and he locks the top one and then goes to the back and locks something else. He puts it on his side. and he's like, if you all follow me outside, we'll take care of this quickly. Go, cool. I'll follow him outside. I'm just kind of just chilling here. Um, nope, sorry, friend. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he walks outside, and uh, he, he holds this wand up, and you've given him the two gold and taken off your character sheet. He doesn't say any words or anything. He just points it at you, and all of this dried, flaking blood is just like... Like, off of you, almost like confetti. <laughs> it's this dried blood, and it sits in the city, and a lot of it actually... Though it isn't as hot as it was outside, it is still sweltering in this city. Some of it touches the ground and it just just kind of wilt up and away and it turns into dust. Some of it puddles back up into the street, but you are no longer covered. Not only is there not blood on you, but any dirt or grime you may have had on you is gone now. You look pristine, except for maybe a few rips on your clothing, but. Looking good, Arwol. Mm -hmm. Thanks. It's not in your hair and like, prestidigitation is, it's, 
it's not like wiping dirt off your face. Like anything that's deep in all of that hair you have, it's gone. Like, so you're very clean now. This strange Afridi man, he, he goes to scratch and he realizes he's scratching his head that that fire is licking, but his hand blocks some of it. You can see four horns like a crown, just little tiny short ones. They're little stubs for horns, basically. You can see them on the top of his head as he scratches it. And he scratches it with his hand at first and uh, he shakes a little bit and then he gets the wand and kind of takes the end of it and scratches really hard at one of his horns. He's like digging at it. And then he's like, uh, can I interest you all in a wand or? What else do you have? Oh, I have all kinds of wands. Uh, wands of contagion, cure light wounds, dispel magic, lightning bolts, uh, magic missile, and web. Can anybody use wands? Yeah, I mean, just about anybody. It looks like your friend here. Uh, web sounds cool. Cure web. light wounds and dispel magic. Cure light wounds and dispel magic would, are up my alley for sure. Um, do you have a wand of prestidigitation actually? Uh, the one I just used, yes, of course. How much is that? I could yeah, I could let this go for a uh, hundred and eighty gold pieces. Do you do trades at all? If you've got something worth my time, of course. Would you ever be interested in a potion of water breathing? I already drank that. I have two. I was waiting. <laughs> hmm. Uh, not quite worth the wand, but it'll certainly take a bit off the price. How much? I'll take the potion for a hundred. You can give me eighty more gold. And if you're buying the wand, you would have been able to use it anyway, so I'm a fair tradesman. 78 gold. I'll take the two off as a discount since you already used it. How many charges does your wand have left? This wand has 49 out of 50 now. We actually just curried a favor with the Sultan's Vizier and got invited by the Sultan himself to see the horse races today. I would love to maybe drop your name by all of the people that we're going to be associating with this, this afternoon. Roll, uh, roll persuasion. You can't recharge wands. You can get someone to for a price. Oh, cool. Uh, 13. And are you rolling against it? Um, he will roll a five. No, how strange. What a weird way to use portents. I like it. Uh, yeah, so you know, you know exactly what to say to him. And not only that, in a dream that you had when you were sleeping at the salamander's eye, a name came to you and you weren't really sure when, but for some reason it just like, came back into your mind and you say, I'd love to drop your name. We're meeting, we're meeting with people like Kamujan. And he's like, oh, very interesting. Uh, just for the army, I would have said no, because they're, they're all about brute force, but, but Kamujan, yes, yes, of course, friend. Uh, uh, half price of what I offered. Uh, we'll, we'll call a uh, 34 gold even and the potion of water breathing. Perfect, deal. Ah, a fair trade, friend, a fair trade. Handshake, is that custom? Um, he reaches out, he, he sees your hand, and uh, he does hesitate. For just a moment, you see him hesitate, and uh, a little grimace comes on his face. Uh, despite and then I put my hand back up and be like, sorry. Oh, okay, he was going to reach for it, though. I don't want to. Okay, and he reaches it back. I don't want to insult custom, my apologies. Yeah, he reaches it back and says, uh, hmm, a lot of people from the material plane don't do well here. Seems like you've accustomed quickly. Thank you. So he takes a total of 40 gold pieces, uh, 36 gold pieces from you, and your potion of water breathing. And, uh, <clears throat> well, if that's it, friends, uh, I have business to attend, wands to make. If you ever need anything else, uh, remember my name, and if, if you're gonna be dropping it, I think it's important you know it. It's, it's Anu Jerry. Anu Jerry? A-N-I-E-W. Hey, Jerry. G-E-R-R-I. Hey, no, Jerry. G-E-R-I. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you, and Jay. The pleasure is mine. And then I'm going to get out and be like, hey, you guys, we can now forge a letter, if you'd like, hmm? with prestidigitation. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> good thinking, Arwell. Thanks, Caleb. You're welcome. Um, no, good thinking, Caleb. Yeah. No. 
That's all I have. These are the things you can do. You can create an instantaneous harmless sensory effect, such as a shower of sparks, a puff of wind, faint musical notes, or an odd odor. You can instantaneously light or snuff out a candle, a torch, or a small campfire. You can instantaneously clean or soil an object no larger than one cubic foot. Or you chill, warm, or flavor up to one cubic feet of non-moving material for one hour. You make a color, a small mark, or a small symbol appear on an object for a surface for more than one hour. Or so like for an hour. So, I mean, yeah. A small could symbol, like that's a signature. We could do something along those lines. Um, we do have his handwriting, so we could be able to mimic it. Or we have handwriting. Fuck it, we don't need that dildo. We, but we could put out the lights in the chandeliers because it dims all the lights. Um, just walk up and be like, you fuck you. <laughs> a non-magical trinket or an illusory image that can fit in your hand and that lasts until the end of your next turn. There you go. A fake letter from the old dude. It lasts for like one turn? So six seconds. Six seconds? seconds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's our letter. Okay. Here it is. <laughs> read it, read it, read it, read it. <laughs> anyway, we'll have a one press station. Well, let's think about it. You can use it for So can we... Yeah, let's yeah, let's get good. to the race. We also, we're here to look for an elemental stone, right? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do to do that? <laughs> Race nightmare. <laughs> well, let's curry favor so we can move around the city Okay, here. fair. And we should find that lady who did the heist. Race. I bet it's in the, the vault. The board. All right, so you guys go back to the salamander's eye. If you don't want to go inside and see that grumpy, weird bartender that looked like uh, Krog from the new Thor movie. <laughs> <laughs> then then um, you guys can just get your wagon and head toward the charcoal palace. I'm down yeah. with the stables. Or down yeah. with the going to the charcoal palace. I okay. want to make some money. So you guys, uh, you get your carriage back. You hook Buffalo up to it. The stables seem one horse quieter as <laughs> you're getting your wagon and hooking Buffalo up to it. Just because they are. <laughs> But you guys hook Buffalo up to this wagon and you're going through town. Many merchants are calling out to you. They're saying a bunch of really strange things. They just are, everyone's yelling out to you. Everyone's yelling out to not just you all, but a lot of people in this street is crowded. You guys are in a dingier part of the city. You hear people shouting out that they have things. A lot of people who notice you're from the material plane are very quick to shout to you guys, trying to make a sale to you. They're like, oh, the material plane, I have many things you'd be familiar with, many foods you might be craving as you're walking by. Other people say magic from the material plane that can protect you in the plane of fire. As you're kind of moving by them, as long as you guys don't want to stop, we'll keep moving. Fuck them. I'm gonna go to sleep. Okay, Arwell's doing his best to sleep. Uh, Let's see if I can do it. Yeah, um, roll a constitution saving throw for me. Um, a nine. Yeah, so as you're going through the city, people are constantly bustling. There are all these really weird mounts, and I would like to take a moment to appreciate all the strange mounts that are here. It's not just horses and buffaloes. There are flying mounts, there are dinosaurs, there are these weird fire-like creatures moving through the street. These giant snakes with all of these really strange arms that are like carrying multiple people. All kinds of really weird sights. It's like being in a Miyazaki movie, really. And just all of these sounds and how bumpy the road is and how hot and sweltering it is, Arwell's not able to get a long rest. I'll give you a short rest, though. But you're not able to get a... Huh? I can't kill them. Yeah, that sucks. Um, can, does that do anything for your spells and stuff, though? You still get some spells back, right? So while Jonathan's doing that math, you guys do make your way through the cities. You come to the Charcoal Palace. You aren't anywhere near it, honestly. It's just so big and interesting. And this thing really is where everything else is built to look like a spire, especially as you get closer to this. It seems like the buildings are actually made of brass themselves, where in the Cinder Sweeps district, which is where you all came from, the poor district, all the buildings were made out of like granite and rock. The buildings here are made out of fine metals and they're made out of like obsidians and strange things like that. And this really sharp black spire with many jagged edges rises in the middle of this mode of fire. Though you guys aren't all the way up to 
to it, you can see it very clearly, that fire just burning around it, and it has much more space around it than everything else, so it just kind of naturally draws your attention to it. As you're walking up, you begin to see more and more of those slaves. In the Cinder Sweeps district, there weren't all those people with shackles, but here there are many shackled people, probably two-thirds of the people you see. There are slave auctions going on, and as you all go by, you can hear them yelling out to you, like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a hard worker, I'll do whatever you want, I know magics, like things like that as they're shouting out to you. You all also see, you see a public execution happening, and it just seems like all of these things are, like, it's kind of disturbingly casual, all of these slave auctions and public executions. Just and, another Tuesday. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. and and all kinds of Efridi and their slaves are standing about this public execution, and none of them are shouting out like you would see in the movies or read about in the books. They're all just standing there casually. The only interaction that you all see is a, the owners talking to their slaves and then gravely pointing to the people who are up on the executioner's block, a warning to anyone who may step out of line. There is a female Afridi on trial, and as her neck is laid into this thing, she looks up at all of you, and you notice Rahima looking out at all of you as this blade just, like, cleaves through her neck and her head leaves her shoulder. Yeah, Rahima's head just falls into this basket, and as it does, the basket and her head light on fire, and there's no remains. Her body turns to ash, and all the things she was wearing, all those intricate gold trinkets that she had all over her body lay there. The executioner walks over, picks them all up, puts them into a bag, ties it up, and puts some kind of strange tag on it. He sets Shit. it to the side with the guards. The right <laughs> he sets it to the side with the guards, and then he walks over, and they ready the next person who is on trial for execution. And uh, as you guys make your way up to the Charcoal Palace, if no one wants to watch anyone else get murdered or buy anything while you're here or try to buy a slave. Can I steal a slave? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just need to get bracers, forge runes that are in Ignan with your name onto them. Perfect. Yeah, easy. I'm going to get started right now. (laughs) You guys walk up to the Charcoal Palace, and as you do, these guards meet you immediately. They're out front. They are helping you all off of this, and they're all just, like, shining bright, and just like all of the other Efridian towns, Each of them has different characteristics of fire as it exists naturally. They don't all look the same. But the one thing that all the guards have in common is the light they emit is white. And all of their armor seems to be crafted to look exactly the same. It is armor that is not unlike the armor on the material plane. It's just heavy armor. And it seems like it's made of silver or something just to accentuate that bright white light that's coming off of them. But they hold their hands out and they bring you down off of this thing. And they take this wagon off of Buffalo. And one of them walks up to you all and says, which one? One of you all is the owner of this thing. That would be me. This is Buffalo. We uh, we certainly can get your steed and take it up to the uh, the track for the nightmare races, but uh, we can't take this wagon up there. It, it, it'll burn up. Yeah. Do you, anybody want to buy it? <laughs> no, no thanks. Do you know where I could sell it? There are plenty of merchants around, but uh, you guys only have about an hour for us to get you up is to the there track. Is to park it safely for yeah. our ride back? You, you, you're esteemed guests of uh, the Sultan's Vizier. I'm sure that we can take care of it for you. Guard it here. I'm down with it. It'll be carefully watched. Sounds good. Thanks. So they bring out this other carriage for you, and they bring it out from their own barracks. It is this black carriage, much like all of the other vehicles in this, and they hook Buffalo up to it. They just say, we'll have one of our guards. There's like a seat on the front where somebody could drive this thing. Uh, one of our guards is going to escort you there. He'll drive the wagon up to it. Uh, you all enjoy yourselves. Stay safe out there. Do we need another fire person? To get up there? Yeah, like, if it'll burn up. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I would like, he said that the thing would burn up. So. Yeah. No, I would like to ask the guard. I'm like, um, we actually are from the material plane. Uh, will we need more fire protection 
On the way up? Oh, sorry. Though your wagon is unlikely to burn up, it could possibly, and this okay. is just a safety measure. Uh, also, you don't want to be seen in that thing with the people you're going to be beside, trust me. Thank you for that, heads up. Okay. Yolo. Let's go. All right. So you guys get in this really strange black carriage, and as you were inside of it, it's not like a, it's not like a tent, a tarped, wagon like you guys had like it's completely boxed in there are nice windows on the side that can have shutters so that you can look at the street or you can close them and when you close them the heat from the outside is no longer kind of permeating this thing you guys are able to breathe for a second while you're in here it's comfortable there seems to be some kind of magic inside of this thing but you can feel the bump and whether or not you leave those open and can hear the roar of the crowd or leave them closed to you guys own privacy is there anything you guys want to talk about before we get all the way there mm, good question. i want to leave it like just a little bit open so i can sort of see where we're going but, like, oh, sure. just enough to see out. <laughs> They're backing it up into the lava. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. We don't trust nobody. I'm gonna request some Cardi B to play in the. Uh, yeah, and he does his best, but he's making it up as he goes. He's like, I know Cardi B. It's that song that goes a boom boom ticket, ticket boom boom, <laughs> a boom chicky 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 jum jum. So you guys are bumping around in this for about 30 minutes, and as you do, you hear the roar of this crowd growing as you're getting closer and closer to this place. And you do see another dome. It's not unlike the city of brass, this giant bowl, but you do arrive at the stadium, and as you do, this light is emanating from it. There is a red light that washes over everything in the city, but the light that is coming from this is very, very different. And the same guard who brought you here gets out, and he comes over to all of you. He helps you out of this wagon, and he says, uh, I'm going to be the one who escorts you to your seats, so if you're ready to go, I think it's best that we leave now. Just Before like, we get out, would anyone, like, be cleaned up? <laughs> Maybe everybody. Yeah? Okay, cool. I'll take out my wand. And... We're going into high school. So on the way here, Arwell's just pressed digitating yeah. all of you, and you won't get out looking much cleaner. Oh my gosh, can you fix my hair? My burnt-ass hair. Yeah. Well, I don't oh, know if I can fix well, your burnt hair, but it's clean. <laughs> it's a lot cleaner. Yeah, that's fine. Patches has like a dagger and shit. You could cold mountain it. You know? Yeah, she's gonna put it in as all and like like make it look intense. Give me a little haircut. Give her like a little side shot. You want to roll a performance just to see how good it is? Yes, I love this. This is awesome. Please don't roll a nap. Really though, you guys are kind of powdering up before you get to this event. Oh no! It's not one, is it? You look like somebody that plays the saw in downtown Asheville. It comes out to a seven. Oh, yeah, so with a seven, <laughs> my beautiful hair. Like no, she doesn't make it worse. You don't make it worse or anything like that. But her hair is, you're like, mm, maybe I can't fix this. And it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't need to stick to dancing. <laughs> it doesn't look on purpose. It does look like someone tried to fix someone whose hair got burned off. But it doesn't look bad necessarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's choppy. Right. So it's kitchen scissors. I mean, we're in like a bumpy wagon on the fair plane. plane. As you all, right. I'll hire a professional leader. As you all get out of this wagon, you guys all look much cleaner, Thank save you. for like the rips in all of your clothing and your equipment. But the, the wagon that you guys left behind, the inside of the carriage is full of like these dirty flakes of like skin and blood and Yay. dirt and all kinds of stuff. It's just like all over this wagon. But you guys all get out looking better. And maybe Calista is able to like primp up a couple of people too and Arwell puts his hair back into it. Not maybe cleans his beard up a little bit. Already clean, right? Right. Well, I don't know if you want to groom. It doesn't groom you, so you'd still have oh, to. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah I'll, like, right. It's pretty short beard, so it's like. Okay, sure. Uh, guy, I don't know how you're looking, but I pretty much look sweaty and buff like I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that guy's buff. Can you take <laughs> the smell off of him? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can, can. smell like something else. For yeah. Magic candles. Yeah. Should I just use four 
Yeah, so it's at, Five, what, 45? Yeah. yeah. So you were escorted out of this uh, wagon, and as you were getting out of it, the same guard is escorting you out. He's the only guard who seems to be with all of you. You can hear the roar of this crowd before you even get there. There seems to be an announcer's voice is kind of booming over all of these people as he's speaking out about the nightmare races. You can't really make out exactly what he's saying, but something about something about the nightmares and their names and placing bets and making sure to get concessions and all this stuff before this thing starts. This guard is leading you through, and as you come up, where everybody enters through this really big square open, much like you would at any football game or baseball game or anything like that, you all are taken to a door where there are two guards standing outside of it. You can see that bright, brilliant light coming off of them. They open the doors as this guard is in front of you. He steps to the side and he waves you in. And as he's holding his arm out, he's like, the, the betting box is at the top of the stairs and I would, I would, I would suggest stopping there before you go. Uh, I've been instructed to tell you that you should stop there before you go. What else should we know protocol-wise? Are we gonna bet on Biebs? Um, I want to, yeah, I think we should all bet on Biebs, except one person should bet on, like, the highest return. The sexy one. Just in case. That's oh, a good one. Wait, can you, like, oh my gosh, can you, like, hear the thoughts of the people? Yeah. And, like, see if there's somebody who's totally rigging the races? Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be doing that in a second. But nice. So you guys all walk up. He tells you that there is this betting box at the top of the stairs, and he just has his arm out gesturing you guys into this yeah, place. There are stairs that go straight up. Protocol we need to know. Like, uh, how does one address this? I mean, nothing out of the usual. Uh, don't look any of the noble Efridi in the eyes. If they have a name and they tell it to you, or a title, I guess I should say, then make sure to call them by that. Uh, otherwise, uh, same rules as anywhere, I guess. I mean, don't kill anybody and, you know, don't rig bets, don't... That's reasonable advice for us, actually. Don't, don't, don't oh, uh, good, thing, good thing I told you then. Thanks. I wink. <laughs> uh, am I? Do no murders today. Maybe no thieving while we're in here. Patches. Mm-hmm. Patches. We'll see. That's like trying to tell a penguin not to ping. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, though, probably none of us know half the time when you're stealing things. No, we don't. It's yeah. true. I don't know. Unless he gives you guys signals, you don't know. Yeah. And I would tell you. You know, about, by the way, you know about if, the scroll. You don't yeah. know about the skull that I just. If any of you guys' passive perception met his stealth checks, I would say, like, Adelaide, you notice Patch just take this thing off. You guys get to the top of these stairs. There, It's this black stairway, and there are these chandeliers hanging down from the ceiling above you, and they're lighting this place with this brilliant white light. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you guys do get to the top, and it seems like there are. There, there's a hallway that rounds the stairs. It seems much different than all the other ones because there are doors behind each one. And just as you get to the top of the stairs, you can hear people calling out. There seems to be a line, and there are bars with people behind it and some sort of magic writing above it. There's some sort of light that is spelling things out above this place where all of these efreets are inside of. How close are we to the to the places where we bet? Um, the bookie? Yeah. That's what I was describing, is um, where the people are behind so the bars. Right. and Yeah, you guys can see it from here. I'd like to walk up and be like... All right. As you walk up, the letters change. They look very similar to those letters on that book you all couldn't read in Baldur's shop. It was in Ignan, and they change to what you guys would understand to be common, and you guys are able to read all of them. It has the nightmares. It has their stakes above it, and you can, yeah. It changes languages. Right. Yeah, yeah. As you guys walk up, the book, he's like, uh, it's another Efreet he's standing behind here. His skin is just red. He, he actually looks fairly humanoid, but like from the material plane, but his skin's all red, and he has two little tiny horns on the front of his head. Cute. That's really the only difference. He doesn't have hair. I'm he's loving balding. the horn fashion here. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so, yeah. you're feeling it. Like, I'm like, oh, man. I'm just yeah. like showing him off a little bit. You see him? More. Yeah, he goes to speak, and he sees your horns, and he... Uh, 
stops for a second, then he starts to talk in his little tiny words, just poking out. Do you feel emasculated? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As well he should. And he just says, place your bets, place your bets. What is the safest bet? On top of this, you see all of the horses' names. There There are eight horses. Almost all of the horses are six to one, almost all of them. The second horse is two to one, and the fourth horse is three to one. Which one's Beebs? Uh, number eight. He he does. He is six to one. Okay. Uh, or she. I don't know. Number one is Dagger's Point. That horse is that horse's odds are six to one. Number two is Fine Ember Flame. That horse is two to one, which means that the for those of you who don't know, the payout is lower, but that horse is more likely to win. Number three is Ruby Red Runner, six to one. Number four is Obsidian Cataclysm, three to one. Number five is Horror's Heartbeat, six to one. Number six is Death's Derby Queen, six to one. Number seven is Dread Steed Debbie, six to one. Fuck yeah. (laughs) And number eight is Lucius Aloysius Bieber, six to one. (laughs) It fits in. Well, I'm placing my bets on Fine Ember Flame. I'm going the safe route. Uh, it is the safe. And, and I believe in. I You're believe, a believer. I believe in Bieber. Biebs. I believe the... in Biebs. I'm betting on Biebs. Twenty gold pieces on Biebs because I believe. You hand over twenty gold pieces, and uh, the bookie looks at it in his hand, and he kind of he weighs it a little bit, and he's like, "You sure you don't want to put any more on him than that, son?" Um. Yeah, I don't have much more than that, so yeah. Um, okay, fair. What's the standard betting amount here? Uh, most of the people who are in the semi-private booking rooms hold 10,000 gold pieces on whatever horse they decide. Oh, good lord. <laughs> yeah, we're from out of town and didn't quite come with our full purses with us, so we're going to be a little under that, unfortunately. Ah, a last-minute invitation, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too. and most of our money got burned up in the lava. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> you keep all of your money on you? What? Seems irresponsible. Well. Well, we don't have very much to carry. <laughs> he hasn't been in society for very long. That's true. This is like the third city I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> you, assume, you assume there are a lot of cities just like this. You're like, I guess this is how it is. This is totally normal. Who was cool. the one that had three to one? Three to one was like Obsidian Cataclysm. Is, can I bet on more than one? But yes, but of course. Okay. You can bet on as many as you want. I want to do 20 on Obsidian Cataclysm and 20 on Beeps. Okay. Just uh, write down your the gold pieces and who you're betting on. With your name, bes- your name, and you can put the number or the horse's name, and then how much you're betting. Is it smarter to put all your eggs in one basket? Or no. no. Can I put five on each horse? <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I'll just put two on each horse. This guy's bewildered by you all. <laughs> <laughs> and he does have these tickets that he's handing all of you. They have some sort of print burned into them. Are the horses viewable through any of the glass kind of around? Is there like a window? There are doors, and so you can imagine they're just like the private boxes at a Uh game where it's windowed in and you can see over. You you have to open the doors to get into them. You guys don't even actually know which room you're in yet, so. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm putting 20 on Obsidian and 30 on Ember Flame. No. I don't like to take a chance. I'm taking a chance on Biebs. Okay. I will shit if Bieber I, wins. Oh, yeah. Dang, Arnold's putting, laying down the big bucks. He says, uh, hey, wouldn't you mention that you, you weren't from around here, right? Uh, that it was a last minute invite yeah, or something? Was, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Uh, Sultan's Vizier, you guys on his? Yes. Yeah? Yes. All right. Uh, you'll be on room three. You can walk down here on the right. It's the second door down. Um, insight. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Why the fuck not? 
You never be too careful. <laughs> Two. Classic. So we're we're playing true to form. A five. Yeah, with a five, I mean, this guy seems to just be doing his job. Like, I, you don't think he set up a whole bookie station and <laughs> to murder you? Thank you. That's yeah. where I'll go. You guys already gave him a lot of gold anyway. <laughs> So you guys, you do all make your way down here, and as you get to this room, you open it up. There are four other figures in this room. There is a female Efridi who appears like a strong human whose skin is bright red but not glowing. There's another female Efridi who has a scar covering her right eye, and where that scar goes across her face, it glows like fire, as does her eye that the scar goes across, but her other eye seems humanoid, much like all of your eyes look, except Callista's, I guess. She has two prominent horns that come out of her head. They're very sharp and angular. Like Hellboy? Yeah, yeah. They're really big, though. It, It seems strange that her head can support like just how big they are. And armor that seems to float just above her skin instead of resting on it is all over her body. You can kind of see it levitating just a little bit. An intricate piece of gold jewelry is hanging between her two horns and it covers the front of her forehead as some of it dangles down in front of her eyes. There is a male Efridi here. He wears a vest of golds and strange foreign metals. His stomach poking through the vest gives away a comfortable lifestyle as it just kind of like sits out past those little flaps of his vest. Plain pants with many golden chains cover both of his legs. A receding hairline is pulled back into a ponytail. He has actual hair on the top of his head. The last one looks very different from any of the other creatures that are in here. A winged creature sits in this room. Far different from all of the Afridi that sit in here. Horns come across both sides of a strange, like natural horns on this creature come across a skull that it's wearing as a mask over its face. Two enormous dull black wings are folded behind its body. As it walks around this room, you can hear its cloven hooves clopping as it walks by. A strange glowing trident is strapped to this thing's back and it stands tall above all of you, but you can't see what its face looks like because the skull is sitting over top of it, much like a mask. As you all walk into here, they all turn to look at you. The two female Afridi were talking. The the strange creature with the black wings and the skull over top of it was pacing about the room and the male Afridi is just sitting contemplatively with his hand over his mouth, stroking uh, a baby-like face. His face is very bare, but he's stroking his face and he's looking out of the window and what he's looking at is really incredible. It doesn't look like the Kentucky Derby by any means. It's actually a lot like the Ring of Fire that you saw around the Charcoal Palace. It's this magma that's floating in the middle of this ring and all around it this fire burns really brightly and it's huge. It's it's big enough for eight nightmares to comfortably sit in a straight line like they would be on a racing track looking out from there. You can hear the announcer blaring out the names of all of these nightmares as you come in. The Infridi male is like very seriously stroking his face. It seems like the race hasn't just yet started. So if you guys want to do anything before uh, it gets going, feel free. Um, I'm going to cast Detect Thoughts. When you cast Detect Thoughts, it's on a specific creature, though you know the others are around you, right? Like, you can't read everybody's thoughts. Right, I would have to pinpoint kind of, like, who I'm kind of reading. Yeah. And that lasts for how long? Ten minutes. Ten minutes, okay. And I'm not going to go deep because I don't want anyone to know I'm reading thoughts. I'm going to start with the winged creature and see what it's thinking. Surface level. Sure, yeah. You you get in here, and this creature seems irritated. It's, It's just thinking, who the hell just walked into this room? And its voice, though it is deep and hissing, even in its own mind, it's it's really effeminate, surprisingly. Okay. And and this creature's like pretty big and ominous, and to hear this kind of effeminate voice coming from its mind, it, it's a little like what the fuck. But once you get used to that, it's just it's it seems to be upset that you all have walked in and very confused that these 
five humanoid creatures from the material plane came in. It seems especially upset that Callista is in the room. Then I'm going to just go to each one and see surface level. Sure. The man is just thinking of odds, calculating. You can just hear these numbers going through his head. He's thinking of the horse's names that you've already read. Uh, He has put his bet on horror's heartbeat. And he's sitting there doing the calculations. He's thinking about how someone told him that horror's heartbeat has been training much more and been given something very particular that supposedly will help it win this race. The two women, uh, the, the two female Afridis are talking to one another and their, their thoughts, their thoughts are what they're saying. They're very surface level. There's nothing weird going on behind them. They're just having a conversation with one another about where they are and how nice this box is. Uh, they're also talking about the bets that they made on who the female Afridi with the scar over her face as she speaks out loud. She, she speaks very Stoically, as she's speaking to this other woman, and she's just like, uh, I always just vote on the first horse, number one, so Dagger's Point is mine. Uh, I figure that picking a lucky number is just as well as picking any one of these horses. The other woman, she speaks very excitedly. She looks a lot like a human, something like who would be from the material plane. She's just like, I put a few bets on a lot of horses. I put, I voted on Ruby Red Runner because I like the name, and I voted on Death's Derby Queen because I also like the name. Uh, I just had a little extra gold sitting around, so I just dropped like 5,000 gold pieces on each, and then the other woman starts to say, well, I dropped 15,000 on Dagger's Point. You really quickly realize that there had been a pissing contest right now. Though they're trying to be polite and and hide it, but there's nothing strange going on in the thoughts, save save for the strange beast not liking Callista um, being here. Yeah, and I'm gonna go to Callista and poke her and whisper in her ear what's going on. Just a heads up. Okay, fair enough. Oh, you bet on Dagger's point. <laughs> you basic pumpkin spice bitch. Remember <laughs> my <laughs> first race. Everyone has these like detailed descriptions except the first female, so I wrote basic bitch beside. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Should we introduce ourselves? No. Okay. There is a stocked liquor bar in this room, by the no. way. Like a bunch of really different weird ones. Where you guys would normally go to bars, it would look very much like the ones here on Earth. It would be liquors, and it would be brown liquors, white liquors, wines, things like that, ales. But here, some of them glow, some of them bubble, even in their bottles, the ones that are uncorked. Some of them have like eyeballs and sharp things inside of them. Others look like they have actual gold. Let's get fucked up. Let's get fucking <laughs> drunk. Yeah, I'm gonna grab a drink, but as I'm doing, I'm gonna see if. Um, any of the others need a refresher. You're gonna go up to all four of the other people? No, 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 I just, I'm gonna look and see if they need like a, like a refresher on their drink. Sure, it seems like the winged one actually is not drinking as it is sitting in here. Both of the female Afridi have a drink and the male Afridi is sitting there with an empty glass and so you wouldn't even need to read his thoughts or anything. You can see clearly there's an empty glass in his hand. Oh, cool. well I'm gonna grab a drink and then um, while I'm at the bar, ask if anyone would like a refresher. He, without turning, without turning to you, he holds his glass up and shakes it. And you can, there is no, there's no ice in it. There is something weird in it, though. It looks like a piece of charcoal, and there is smoke coming up and off of it as it trails out of his glass as he clinks it around, much like he would ice in a whiskey glass. Don't like that clinking. And, <laughs> but he clinks it, and he's like, uh, yes, son, I will have another. What are you having? The one that's bubbling, glowing orange. Get me that. Two more ever-burning coals, if you don't mind. Sure, I'll do it. So you're able to pour this drink, and you slide this drawer aside that's on the top of it that's flat with the counter, and all of this smoke comes out. There are these coals that are burning inside of it. This glass is just bubbling, bubbling, and you put these in it, and it sizzles as this comes out. And you've... I'm going to hold it with my gloved hand. 
Oh, smart. Yeah, okay, I like that. <laughs> you can feel your glove heat up just a bit, but not enough to like scorch your skin like you're taking a pizza fresh out of the oven or anything. Yeah. But you can definitely feel the heat off of this glass. And I'm gonna go over and, yeah, I'm gonna hand it to him. Arvul Garewin, yours? He takes the glass and he looks over to you. Arvul, was it? Correct. My name is Kamujan. Oh. Oh. Ah. Uh, I'm gonna pour a drink, just like, I don't know, I just pick a bottle, pour it in a glass, walk over to the winged creature, person, huh. and say, hey girl, and <laughs> offer a drink. She turns over to you and she starts to speak out. She at first says, that's not my drink in Infernal, but then she says, oh, I, I apologies speak, in I common. Speak, I speak Infernal. Do you say that Infernal to her? Yes. <sighs> Finally, someone with some class in this place. And I say, Infer- Infernal, hard to find, huh? And just turn back to the window. <laughs> she looks over at Callista, and she doesn't say a word. Uh-huh. And she's just, like, looking straight over at Callista. Shade. She looks back to Patches. I didn't even Patches. make eye contact. I just turned my head. She looks said. back to Patches and says, friend of yours? Very much so. Unfortunate. She picks up the glass that you have and looks at it, and her arm is long enough to extend back over to the bar and set it down. And she just says, not my drink. All right, bougie. I get a very stout glass of whiskey. <laughs> Guys over there drinking. This, this, no, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. actively drinking. This devil does look time. back over patches. What else do you do at a horse race? This <laughs> devil does look back over the patches, and it says. We should have gotten big hats. She says, well, <laughs> you have fancy hats. <laughs> And she says to you, interesting, you know how to speak infernal. Where did you learn to speak it? Uh, just pick it up here and there. Maybe from his good friend Callista. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give her, you know, too much information. I've fucked a lot of demons. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you, you're my type. <laughs> interesting. Well, if what is she thinking right say. now? This is pretty on topic. She's pretty on topic. She seems interested in patches, genuinely interested, like where this strange half-elf learned Infernal. She still is disappointed that he's here with Callista. She found him much more interesting before she realized that fact, but uh, her mind quickly turns back to the horse races as Patches just gives her this, like, ah, I picked it up here and there. Her mind quickly just, she doesn't even, she considers his answer and then just turns it back to the horse races. Nothing strange, nothing shady, just, like, her thoughts switch back over to thinking about these horses as she's pacing back and forth. Just to test her then, I'm gonna turn over and be like, Tieflings, right? She walks over to the bar and she picks up she picks up a bottle and walks over to Arwol, who you are now standing in between this Efridi man and this devil who stood beside you. And How tall are they? The Efridi man is about as tall as Patches. This this strange devil is much taller than you. Her horns almost touch the ceiling. It seems like she's slouched over just a little bit. And in Infernal, she says something deep and clear while she's speaking to you. But then she corrects herself really quickly and brings it back to common. And she uh, she says, finally, someone who understands. And she doesn't look over to you or over at Callista or anything, but she does have this bottle in her hand and she puts it under the skull that's in her face and tilts it up and drinks from it. Was she thinking anything? She just she just liked yeah, that okay. you brought that up. Yeah. I go I'm gonna go over and stand next to Callista and then just like side eye like look her up and down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I know I can understand her thoughts, but I'm going to cast comprehend languages. I'm gotcha. happy to translate anything you'd like. I don't want to associate with you right now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I want to get a beat on her. Uh, okay, sure. So she's just like, uh, interesting that they would let a tiefling up into here. Usually they're sweeping the floors. Are there a lot of tiefling slaves around here? A lot of tieflings where I come from. Half-breeds of other devils who 
couldn't keep it to themselves, had to go breed with mortals. Where are you from? The Nine Hells, of course. Which level? Interesting you know as much. I'm from the fourth. Um, cool. Let's see, demon bitch. <laughs> <laughs> demon bitch. We got basic fourth bitch, level. we got demon so bitch. In between can, can I roll yeah. Arcana and see if I know anything about the fourth level of hell? Yeah, absolutely. Twelve. Twelve. All these people judging us. Tell you what. I don't want to do anything. I don't want anything to do with them. I'm going to come stand with yeah. you guys and judge everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, you would know my world. We'll, we'll judge them. Fuck them. <laughs> you would know that the fourth level of hell is Phlegathos. It's a fiery landscape whose sea of molten magma brew with hurricanes of hot winds, choking smoke, and pyroclastic ash. So it seems pretty similar to the plane of elemental fire, actually. She's feeling at home here. Um, I'm going to ask. Oh, yeah. I'll introduce myself. I'm like, my name is Arl. Um, what is yours? My name is Martha Rall. Martha? M A R T H R A R A L. His name is Martha. It's like you type it into Google and it says, Did you mean Martha? Were you ever young? <laughs> I was born 80. <laughs> Martha Rall, do you know Kamishan? I know no one here. I am only here to collect. On my bet. Well, I hope you win, and I'm gonna turn my attention to Kamishan. Sure. What brings you here today? Oh, obviously, well, I'm gonna reword that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. What the obviously, fuck do you think? No. Were your parents a fan of uh, Culture Club? When did the race start? Are you asking this? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah perfect. Yeah, uh, what he said. Uh, he, he, says he, he turns, he, okay, he turns over to Guy and he says, The race starts very soon. I appreciate you making conversation with me. Oh, you can. No one has talked to me since I've gotten here. Though I have been lost in my own thoughts. Hello, friend. My name is Kamujan. And what is yours? I'm Guy on a, on a buffalo, Guy Fieri. And I <laughs> am pleased to meet you, man. Ah, the pleasure is on mine, Guy. And where are you from? I'm from the woods. Uh, I, what is that? What is woods? It's part of the material plane. It's just a collection of trees. Ah, the material plane. <laughs> collection of trees. <laughs> <laughs> That's your autobiography, a yeah. collection of trees. Are you sure you are not from Arborea? I have had Arborea quite a few times in the forest. <laughs> ah. Watch out for what berries you eat. Ah, a man of interesting sexual taste, I see. I have put my penis in some weird places, not gonna lie. Cantaloupes, holes in the ground, anthill, anaphylaxis is a bitch. <laughs> I don't know what any of those things are, Guy, but I like a man of culture who likes to explore. Hell yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank it's you for coming to me. cantaloupe culture. <laughs> hey, what happens in the woods? He doesn't know what a cantaloupe is. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm listening like... I don't like it you You've never seen a tree? Uh, never. I am a tradesman of many planes, but uh, I, I do not know what I'm a tree I'm going to take my wand out and then create an image of a tree. Press the digitation? Yeah. Oh, incredible, my friend. <laughs> I, I appreciate you introducing me to this. Yeah, I want to have, like, little rain coming down on it. And what is this tree? What is above it? What What do all these pieces do? That is water. <laughs> oh, I know water. I do I do not like water. You would not like the material plane. <laughs> you, two are, you two are strange. Uh, I like you. <laughs> I like people from the material plane. You, you've seen so many things. Uh, here all we have is fire and trade and uh, slavery, but you all, you experience... All of it in many different ways. Why don't you travel? Yeah. Uh, oh, I do. I'm a tradesman. Uh, I, I don't. I usually just travel to other elemental planes. I give them goods that they need, but only in the trade ports. I don't travel far outside of it. And uh, I have a bit of an empire, and many people they do my trading for me now. And I'm gonna kind of just yell over. Are you Kamajan? Uh, oh, 
Oh, many people here have uh, interesting things to say today, it seems. Uh, usually I'm lost in my own thoughts. Yes, of course. <laughs> we, met, uh, we met a merchant who uh, hates you and thinks you're stupid, and uh, that's what he told us. Oh. I'm just gonna like... And what was his name? His name was, uh, hey, Arwell, what was his name? I don't think I know that shopkeep. Yeah, you do. <laughs> What's his name? I have no idea what you're talking about. I know who you're talking about, but we told him that he was a big old turd. <laughs> He's be drunk. <laughs> I'm just trying to cause a little drama. <laughs> <laughs> just, a little, just a little bored. I'm, that's what this place needs more of. <laughs> and, then I, and then I wink, and then I'm going to say energy. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, He's he, the one that gave you that cool wand that made that tree, right? The yeah. That actually bought this stuff is a freebie named Anujeri. Uh, yeah, he was like, Carmijan is stupid. Hmm. That's what he said. And what does he trade in? Where at? Uh, wands and things. <laughs> <laughs> roll, a, roll a deception. Okay. Uh-oh. Why are we trying to make this guy hate this other guy? Because it's fun. Um, ten. <laughs> ten. <laughs> All right. Even if this, even if this Anu Jerry is not a fan of mine, it, it makes sense to me because... I rule I rule many of the trades here in town and in towns outside of it. It seems a petty thing for you to bring it up to me here. Yeah, I'm petty. Well, mm. at least you're honest, friend. Oh, such a Larry David answer. They call me Petty Pat. <laughs> to answer your question, friend, sorry, I got sidetracked. The races should be beginning any minute now. Kick ass. Who did you uh bet for? I betted on Lucius Aloysius Bieber, a new horse in the race. I'm excited to see how he performs. That's our boy. We've seen him in action. We were the ones that wrangled him. Yeah, that's odd. You, you are the tamers of the horse. It explains why you're in the box. I was wondering after I saw your clothes and hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, you talking about my hair? Oh. <laughs> He's trying to read you for your hair. Guy. I know, but I'm taking it personally. So you were nightmare tamers. <laughs> we are, we are now. He was pretty powerful on the field. Ah, uh, well, that's good to hear. I placed my bet on him. Uh, it seems my money in, is in all of your hands. Uh-oh. That scares me a little bit, <laughs> but rock and roll. Several <laughs> <laughs> um, of us bet on him as well, so we... I'm gonna we tell everyone that he just lied to us, but, like, secretly. He's, oh, yeah, he, he betted on yeah, someone else. Yeah, he bet else. on someone else. He bet so on a Because I read his thoughts earlier. Oh, yeah, and also, during any of this, is he thinking anything... Weird. No, he's just—he's genuinely yeah. pleased to be having a conversation with all of you. Yeah, so, I'm like, yeah. Well, I wish you luck. I have a question. We've actually come here, um, sort of accidentally, but we were on the hunt for something. I wonder if you might be able to help us out since you're so well traveled among the plains. Ah, but of course, I'll do my best. Yeah. So the item we're looking for, um, there's sort of a big to-do going on back at home. Uh, there's a heart of a dragon that's apparently at Fire Elemental Stone. Oh, I don't. I don't know. It seems weird that you're asking that. Oh, for some reason. Somebody who knows well, I mean, like, trade and like items and everything. A super powerful item. Yeah. I don't know. It might not be that unclear. It may not be your. I mean, it's in a little plane. Those things might be laying around like gravel. Really, just doesn't even have to be that specific one. Just an elemental stone from this plane. Ah, I know of what you speak. I take them to other planes. They are stones of great power and. Each of the planes, uh, being from a material plane, I'm sure you understand the culmination of all these powers and what it can do. The diversity in your land that I speak of comes from the culmination of all of these powers. And uh, there are many on this plane, though there is only one type, unless it's been brought in from outside, red corundum. Mm -hmm. It's a rare and valuable thing on other planes, but here, a common commodity, easy to make a trade empire off of. You must venture far outside of this city, you understand, but outside of the city, if you know a miner, you should be able to find it fairly easily. So we just gotta find a kid. So, 
That's a pretty good idea, though, because if it's hard to come by in the material plane, we might want to pick some of that shit up. Yeah, well, then we should absolutely find the miner later. Let's see if we can get a stone. Uh-uh. If you have a source or connections, that would really just make our day. For the right price, I can give you anything that you like. Unfortunately, we came here a bit unprepared and not very well supplied as far as... Ah, well... Paying prices. And, uh, yeah, as you say this, as Callista says, we came here a bit unprepared and not ready to pay these prices. This announcer comes over and uh, he is speaking this language that I don't think uh, any of you understand. It is an ignan as it comes out. But you can see the horses starting to rear up. You can see the crowd starting to rise. And as he begins to announce, he goes, well, good luck in the race. And as he says this, the horses are getting ready. The crowd is going crazy. And with this, the fire that is all around these nightmares just explodes into the air. And as it comes back down, you can see that they have all taken off. They're all running as quickly as they can. Dagger's point, it pulls into the lead immediately, really quickly, pulls ahead of all of these horses. I'm just yelling like, boom! <laughs> Behind that. Dagger's Point is actually pulling pretty far ahead of all these other horses. They, they're trading back and forth as these nightmares are running across this track of flame. It's hard to tell if anything is under them, but as their hooves are hitting, explosions are lighting behind them. You can see these Efreet on their backs just glowing on the top of them as their ember manes are just blowing out behind them. And much like the Efreeti, these horses embody fire, but they don't all look the same. Some of them are completely made of fire. Some of them have cracked magma-like skin, but you're able to recognize Lucius Aloysius Bieber really quickly as the one that you pick just because of how different they are. Lucius Aloysius Bieber has those obsidian teeth sticking out. Dagger's point is far in the lead and then Dreadsteed Debbie starts to pull into that as well. Horror's Heartbeat pulls up, so Dagger's Point, Dreadsteed, Debbie, and Horror's Heartbeat are all pulling in front of all of these other horses. And Fine Ember's Flame just rips up in front of all these horses. You see this fire and these explosions light behind Fine Ember Flame as this horse barrels in front of these horses. All of the other ones are doing their best to keep up. But at the end of this race, none of them can seem to catch that momentum that Fine Ember Flame was able to. And Fine Ember Flame crosses that finish line. And as Fine Ember Flame crosses in first, Dagger's Point comes in second place. And so anyone who had Fine Ember's Flame or Dagger's Point is going to get some gold back. But... Uh, Lucius Aloysius Bieber did not even place or show too much competition. Uh, I just lost so much gold. <laughs> He's better at other things. It's okay. Arnold, you were going to get just got 40 gold. Adelaide, you were going to get 60 gold. Hey. And no one voted for Dagger's Point. I did. The guy gets 12 gold. And you just see uh, that Efreeti woman who has that scar over her eye. She just, like, her skin ignites. And you see her eye just glowing. This huge smile is on her face. You guys heard her say she bet 15,000 gold pieces on mm -hmm. Dagger's Point. And Dagger's Point came in second. And she is just ecstatic about this. She's not going to get the full payout, but she is going to get three times pay for that second place. So she is just cheering and screaming. She's going to get 45,000 gold pieces. Wow. Back. As soon as this race is over, these uh, Afridi guards come. <laughs> these Afridi guards come to this door and they open it. They 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 are the same ones that were standing at the bottom of that stairwell earlier. They say, no, "That is all that is happening for this race today. You all have been invited to a special audience with the Sultan's Vizier. Uh, we've been informed that you were aware of this, and uh, we are to escort you now." 
Of course they yeah, do. Yeah, let's go. So they, they take you back down. This crowd is cheering. You can see people at the bookie. They're like so excited. There's a really small line. It doesn't seem like too many people voted on Dagger's Point or bet on Dagger's Point, but Dagger's Point won with a six to one odd. And there are a few people lined up with their tickets just like, Argh! and they're all like cheering with each other. All of the Afridi that are in line are just, they're literally glowing as their fire is just kind of shooting out and getting brighter and they're very excited. All of the different ones. But you guys are quickly led down these stairs and back into that carriage you got in. Much like you came over here, you're taken back to the Charcoal Palace, and as you get out, these two guards escort you out. They offer you their hands, and as they touch you, it does not burn as they are getting you down from this carriage. The one that spoke to you earlier, the other one doesn't seem to be speaking. If you follow me this way, I must take you to the audience chamber at once. I was directed to immediately after the nightmare race. Uh, and he leans over to all of you, and he's like, I heard you had one of the nightmares in the race. We have you to thank for it. Very interesting, very prestigious. Well done. Can I roll insight? Yeah. It's kind of weird that they touched us. Nobody's touched us yet. 14? I mean, you just think that they're doing their jobs. It's not weird. He's not like holding your hand longer. It, you don't feel different after it. Like, come. He's just, it, I mean, he's just helping you down from this carriage. It seems like, well, you guys literally are guests. And so it seems like they're under the Sultan Vizier's orders to oh. be escorting you all around. So they, they do take you back into this charcoal palace. You guys see these Efridi guards lined all the way up. The illuminated are just lined all the way up to this charcoal palace. It's this weird, almost like a the where you put the bags out on the street near Christmas. Luminaria. Yeah, like a luminary. All all the way up to this, except it's these heavily armed guards, all glowing white. And as you walk up into this charcoal palace, you're being escorted by these same two guards. We would have walked all the way through it. This time you go left as soon as you come in. This palace is enormous. It's bigger than the castle in Raven's Bluff. And there are chandeliers hanging all over it. There are these divots cut into the walls that run all the way up the ceiling that just have fire channeling all the way up through them. Some have lava pouring back down them, but they all create light in this black place. That red glow from the outside is replaced by this brilliant white and red light that seems to be mixing and glowing as you all come in here. You all are taken into a room that has an enormous chandelier above it. There is a table and there are chairs for people to sit in. It seems like it's a meeting place more than it is anything, but the guard walks over and as he's walking you over to this table, he just says, a Sultan told me to tell you all to sit here. He said he'd be here soon. Uh, make yourselves comfortable. And behind this table, there is, it's not pouring into here. It seems like there's some transparent heat resistant kind of glass over it, but this lava is just pouring down it slowly and lighting this entire room. And it's behind all of you and casting a light in front of you. Uh, you all are left in this room for just a moment alone as these guards exit and close the door behind them. If you guys want to talk about anything or do anything. That lava waterfall is pretty cool, you guys. Did you see cool. it? That That's really nice. Cool. So you guys are just looking around this room and you're like, wow, this there's a literal lava waterfall behind you. <laughs> in the room. That's it. There's a big chandelier above this table it seems like a an audience hall like it's, like it's the incredibles yeah, no, really. It's and you, it's just uh, this big table. It seems like a meeting place more than it is anything. The room is pretty bare. There are stairs and a carpet that lead up to this table. The carpet is red and vibrant, and there are no singes in it, not even when the guards step onto it. But then the doors do swing open, and Najula walks in. These guards behind him, uh, assuming all of you avoid the gaze as soon bow. as he walks in. Yeah. Oh, you are all bow. bows. Sure. I, I do not bow, but I'm, I'm not going to look him in the eye. So no one looks him in the eye. He walks in. The guards are standing lined behind him. The door remains open behind them, though, but there are about 20 Afridi guards behind him, all armed and standing at attention. Uh, the Sultan's Vizier Najila speaks out to you. He says, I suppose I shouldn't have expected you to tame the most skillful nightmare. 
the Sultan, Basham Gorda. And as he says this, all of the guards in unison bow is very displeased. I have much work and explaining to do, so I cannot stay here long. However, you did tame a nightmare. And get it to the city before the races, so your end of our bargain is complete, despite the performance of L Lucius Aloysius Bieber. <laughs> Worth it for that. The legacy behind the, legacy. the fire plane. The legacy of Lucius. Despite the performance of Lucius Aloysius Bieber, your debt with the Charcoal Palace has been cleared. Very well done. But there is another debt we must speak of. And Najila waves back to the Afridi behind him. And as he waves back to these Afridi, there are these guards and they all seem armed to the teeth. A big smile is plastered on this Afridi's face that walks into this room. He nods to the guards as he walks past and places a hand comfortably on their shoulders as he comes into this chamber before all of you. His large belly hangs over his simple pants and light fires burn around his balding, cracked magma scalp. Balda stands before you, jolly as ever. He looks just as you remembered him, except he's wearing a strange glove on his right hand. Which one was Balda's? Uh, he was the scribe at the scribe store. The guy we... He looks to Callista and says, I knew we'd make fast friends. It seems you've taken the laws of our land quickly, unlike so many others before you. I ensured that your servitude was significantly less than your friends here. I've even made a pretty pity of it. So, much obliged, appreciated. Thank you, friend. We should have been even already. Even how do you mean? You were paid. Yes, you sent the gold, and, and so I saw that your servitude was lessened, even though you knew your friend stole the scroll from me. Correct. You were paid. It's yes. No longer stolen. But still offended by someone who wasn't an Efridi. Fuck. Told you so. He pulls out the note you wrote him, and he says, I have the proof right here. And he's holding it in that gloved hand so it doesn't burn in front of it. And as he's talking and smiling out to all of you, Kajila speaks back out to you all. And he says, you are not, in fact, indentured to Balda. You are indentured to me. You see, you helped us. You proved useful. And for that, we've seen that your friend Balda here is made very comfortable. Your first task will be tomorrow. And as he's saying this, you guys hear these heavy footsteps outside of this chamber. And he says, we'll see how well you do with your first task. And we'll talk about your indentured servitude from there. We're gonna do great. As your the friend, Sultan's vizier. <laughs> as, your, <laughs> as your friend Balda promised, uh, your tiefling friend's servitude will be shortened from all of your others. Let it be a lesson to you all. Why hers? Because mm, she ratted us out. Yes. <laughs> because the only fucking name he had was mine. We found that scroll missing. Damn it! <laughs> I was trying to pay him so he wouldn't do this, but. He's an ass. He's, he says, but, but you wrote me a confession here. I, I have it. I, I don't understand what the problem is. I told you there was a misunderstanding. Here was the payment for it. Yes, and I, I held up my end of the deal. Your servitude is much less than your friend's. There should be no servitude. Ah, but you stole from me. One person stole from you. I corrected it. Ah, but you knew of it and you left my store. Do you have the scroll I on your person? I found out after we left the store. <clears throat> Thank you. And so your servitude is lessened. Do we have the scroll? Whatever, we'll do the things. We'll we have do the, the scroll things. still, right? We're gonna fucking do no, it forever. No, we used it. Oh, that's right. Did we use it? On the yeah, number. because yeah. it didn't work. 
And as he is speaking out to you, you hear these heavy footsteps outside of the door. A figure that is too large to fit in, it stands on the other side. You can see the burning feet of it standing there. Lenny Kravig's. Najila waves his hand and says, Kravig will escort you to your quarters. There you will have your items removed and you will receive your shackles. You will receive what you are to do tomorrow morning, though I can give you a hint. I think you are well suited for it. Out past the city, there is a place where the fire refuses to touch. You all are tasked with going and finding why. It is desecrated land, and so no Ifri will set foot on it as long as I'm the Sultan's vizier. Now, if you will, I have an angry Sultan to speak with, and possibly a nightmare to put down. I want to say, hey, the Sultan's vizier, um, so to do this thing that you need us to do, we'll probably need our gear. And you will receive it on your way out. Perfect. And then I look at everybody and I'm just like, and then we'll just fucking dip. We'll just leave. <laughs> just run. This. Oh, we were there. <laughs> However, I believe the bracers that we're going to have to wear immediately will keep us from doing that. Um, do you have identify, though? You have identify. Mm-hmm. Can we maybe identify how the magics work in them? Possibly. Uh, while I understand your predicament and your desperation, I must attend to the Sultan himself, Basham Gordon now. Cool, and let's once again, they, once again they bow, <laughs> and the Kravig, the fire gold giant, I can he, steal. Is, he is bigger than, like fire giants are very large, but this one is larger than even others, and as you all walk out, he bows to you one more time, he doesn't say anything, but he does, instead of literally escorting you, he leans down to pick you all up in his hands one more time, just as if you could step onto them like a platform. I do. I do. And I get I'm so into it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm finally conscious of this upset one. and annoyed by this. And I'm like, what are you in for? He picks you up and he doesn't say anything. And the Sultan's vizier is just staring a hole through him. And you see his mouth move just a little. And then he stops. And he just picks all of you up. You can see his own shackles around his wrist. They are these giant brass shackles with, you guys would know, you guys can't read it, but you know it's Najila and Ignan on each of his shackles. He picks you all up and he begins to to walk out with you. He does leave this charcoal palace. He leaves the entire palace. It seems like the slave quarters are not anywhere near the palace itself. As he is walking with you, He's, he's walking and Najila is left behind. He does have a few Afridi under him. Kravig is an enormous fire giant, big by giant standards. He is huge. You all can fit in his hands. That's pretty crazy. Fire giants could usually only hold one of you. But his beard is made of fire and it is burning brightly. His hair, though it is balding just a little bit, made of fire too. He has patchwork metal for a shield and armor. He has a giant double-sided ax that's constantly sparking and flaming on his back. His skin is a dull earthen clay red and the these sparks are just coming out of him, though his eyes and orifices aren't lit with fire when he speaks out to you, and he does whisper to all of you. He answers the question you asked him about half an hour ago. Originally, I owed money and only needed to serve for some 10 days. How long have you been here? Is this thing this in common? Um, no, I'm sorry, actually, Kravig, yeah. Kravig only speaks giant. I interpret to the group. I ask him in giant how long he's been there. You hear this sigh and this hot breath kind of comes from him. His body is still incredibly hot, hotter than the city, but not hot enough to damage you all. And he says, 50 years. Look out of this shit. I say to uh, Kravig, I'm like, you could easily beat the brakes off the majority of these 
fucking brown nosers around here. Why do you why do you stay shackled? A single one of those Afridi guards could kill me in a second. How so? You severely underestimate the power of the place you were in. Apparently so. Uh, Afridi can control fire, make creatures that are based on it. They can summon it completely, burn a creature like me made of fire to ash. Their sword skills are unmatchable, and they live longer than me. I wouldn't dare face a single one of them. Uh, Kravig, before you were in this place, did you, uh, have any feuds with any other... Do, do fire giants have feuds with, like, storm giants? Is that a thing? And he is still whispering this. Like, those voices still in your ears, kind of loud. He's whispering so that the guards can't understand him as much. I assume someone who spoke giant would know as much. Though I didn't have any personal vendettas, a storm giant would be above me, be able to tell me what to do. Though I would resent it, fire giants were hot-headed, if you will. That's why we remain underground, stick to our own rules. Do you think a storm giant could uh, break us out of here? Do you think that they could take on the Afridi? I don't know why they would want to. They could maybe take on three or four of the Afridi. Just thinking. I'm friends with a very powerful, powerful giant named Quatana. You ever heard of him? I've never heard the name before, but if you have friends as powerful as you say, it's a truly a sad predicament you are in now. I'll look at Patches. We all look at Patches. Calista <laughs> <laughs> is very pointedly not looking at Patches. <laughs> I am not the one that let the guy know that we stole it. That is I'm not fair. the one that stole from someone who has my best friend's name written down in his fucking drawer. <laughs> Well, he he uh-huh. probably wouldn't have fucking even known if we hadn't fucking tried to tell him. We walked in the store, asked specifically for that scroll, put it back, <laughs> leave, and it's gone. <laughs> We're gonna get out of this. It's fine. We're not. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Fuck it. We're smart. Obviously not. Yeah, the shackles around our our arms and feet definitely show how smart we. Are. <laughs> Where's he taking us? He's taking you to uh, slave quarters. There seem to be slave quarters all around the outside of the Ring of Fire, around the Charcoal Palace. I'm thinking slave uprising. See if we can get these shackles off of our fire. Spartacus the shit. Yeah, yeah. Spartacus is fun. Three hundred the shit. And even if not, in the <laughs> chaos of everyone else dying, we can sneak out. Toads. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know what these shackles do yet. True. I would dare say bind us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, to the material plane, to the city. I mean, oh, obviously we have to leave the city, but yeah. I don't know. You're the only one who knows yeah. how to do that. So. Yeah, we'll find out. As you guys are approaching this, Guy is talking to this giant, translating the conversation to everyone, and... You guys arrive at a very simple two-story building. Though it is around the Charcoal Palace, it is decorated a little ornately just so it doesn't look out of place, but as he brings you up to it, you all are set down inside of it. There are many Afridi guards outside as soon as you all show up, and it seems like they are just escorting you in, but as soon as you get in, you are told by an Afridi guard who walks out of this place. There are two doors to get inside of here, and they're both barred, it seems like doubly, and they both move in opposite directions to the side as they open. You all are walked into this place. And as you do, an Afridi meets you. He, he does, Though he does look like a guard, a warden of some kind, he does not glow white like the guards of the city. And as he walks out, he looks looks rough. His skin is, it has fire in some places and not others. Where other Afridi, it makes sense like their hair is fire or their eyes are embers. His, it seems like patchwork. Some is burning, some is cracked. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Not like a hairline or anything like that. Some pieces are magma, some pieces are fire, some pieces are lava and embers, and he walks out to you all. Uh, and he just says, welcome home. 
I'm going to need all of you to take your things off, any equipment, uh, down to your skivvies. And if you don't have anything under your clothes, down to nothing. Buffalo's also with you guys for what it's worth. Is it just um, one person? There are guards that escorted you here. And they are still here. And the fire giant is outside. Like, there are many guards here. I still just kind of want to stab him in the face. So he has, he has instructed you all to remove your equipment, your clothing, your packs, anything that is on your person. I do. Yeah, done. I reluctantly do it. I take my clothes off and am brandishing these glistening fucking muscles. Yeah, guy is ripped and gross. Uh, you can smell his ball <laughs> sweat like again. as soon as he takes his clothes off. One of the guards comes down. Though this guard isn't like the Afridi. It is like a salamander looking thing. It looks a lot like the salamanders you saw at the salamander's eye. And it comes in, it gathers your things and wraps them in something. It takes them to another room around a corner where you all can't see. You were walked past these barred gates. As you all are walked into here there are stairs immediately to your right and in front of you there is a door and on both sides you guys are taken directly in front of you and as you are taken in here you all are in your undergarments if you have them if you don't uh, you guys are basically just stripped naked sitting here they bring these enormous shackles over and as soon as they put them on you even though they aren't even shackled the way they are heavy on your arms though they are they look like normal shackles they feel like like they each weigh 15 or 20 pounds and they can just hold your arms down really easily. There's already a name inscribed into them and this warden or guard or whatever he is melts them together. He does not lock them with a key. They are sitting on your wrists and as he does, there is a place where you can connect a chain and he connects a chain on all of yours. He lines you all up on a wall with your backs turned and all you hear before he presses a brand to the back of all of your necks is grit your teeth. And you guys just feel this skin sizzle as he presses this brand into the back of your necks. It's not on the nape of your neck and small and in the middle. Calista's like, so But it is to the, yeah. it is to the side and small. Uh, you guys can't see, you guys, you guys can't see what these brands are yet, but as you do, he walks you upstairs. This pain in your neck is searing and it feels different. Not like the pain of the burns you guys felt outside. It feels like a different kind of pain. But he walks you up those stairs that you saw when you first came in here. Two more sets of double doors open at the top of that and those bars slide back close as you walk. He walks you into a giant portcullis-like gate. Another barred door is behind that. He opens it and he escorts you into this cell. He puts all of you in the same one and as those bars close together. <laughs> he just, he kind of taunts you all just a little bit uh, and he just says, everyone from the material plane thinks that they can play this system but you all took from a freedy and then confessed to it. I guess you're going to learn the hard way. I have Ori appear behind him just shoot super loud and then puck it back into another dimension. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it scares him. <laughs> you see him jump and then he regains his composure quickly. Uh, we'll, uh, We'll figure that out too. And as he does, he turns around, shuts that portcullis behind him really loudly. There are guards that are pacing back and forth. You all are sitting in this incredibly hot cell and we're gonna end episode 15 there. <sighs> and with our heroes in jail and seeming completely hopeless, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hit Dice. Your favorite real play Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Now, it's obvious to me and to you that you have impeccable taste. I mean, you're listening to Hit Dice. What more is there to say? Why not share that great sense of taste in podcasts with the rest of the world? Take a moment. Go into the iTunes store 
drop us a five-star review. It only takes a moment, and still being a small baby podcast, it is the ultimate form of currency for us. It means the world to us. Just pop in there, let everyone know what you're thinking about Hit Dice Pod and why you love it so much. Speaking of things that you love, having dice that feel incredible in your hands and that fulfill you as a human being or a gnome, or a half-elf, or, you know, whatever you identify as, well, I've got good news for you. You can head on over to our sponsor's site, Tabletop Loot, pick yourself up uh, some incredible dice. No matter where you live, they ship really horrifyingly, possibly magically, quickly. So head on over there, pick yourself up a couple of sets of dice that you love, and we're going to cover 15% off of anything and everything that you buy from that store, just enter Hit Dice Pod at checkout. You're welcome. Guys, if you want to keep the conversation going outside of this podcast, if you want to get involved with me, with the players, with the community, we are everywhere right now. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We are on Twitter. All of our official accounts have the handle Hit Dice Pod. We're super easy to find. So get out there. Follow us, guys. Become part of of the family. Mmm, finishing an episode of Hit Dice is like taking in a breath of fresh air. And you know what that tastes and smells like? Freedom, which our heroes don't have. <laughs> I'm interested to figure out how they plan on getting it back because they're in a pretty tight spot right now. So join us next Wednesday to find out how they get themselves out of this situation or to find out if they get themselves out of this situation. Until next time, adventurers, thank you for joining us, and we will catch you next Wednesday. Wednesday.